Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids, a show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Well, hey there, all my young paleontologists. How's everybody doing? Been a very, very busy week for everyone around here. Our traveling museum went back out on the road. Before COVID, I have a traveling dinosaur museum and it traveled from elementary school to elementary school, pretty much all over Texas, but we go anywhere. But um, this past, this past, a week. Actually, we went in and set it up on Monday, December 7th. And then on December 8th, all of the students from Salina, Texas Elementary got to go through the exhibit. It was a lot of fun. Great students. Great school. Very, very proud of the behavior of everybody in that school. They did such a great job. So that was my traveling dinosaur museum. And then with virtual lessons, I don't have any today. I had to take the day off because we drove until three o'clock this morning coming home. But tomorrow I'm going to be doing virtual lessons for Norris Elementary. And then in the afternoon, I'm doing two lessons for Cimarron Elementary. And then on Friday the 11th, I'm doing a show. I'm actually doing three shows for Ross Elementary. So looking forward to doing all of those virtual lessons Uh, for all those different people. And then on the 11th, as a matter of fact, in the evening, I'm having dinner with one of my very, very good friends, Emilio. We call him Emilio Raptor. Emilio is a member of the Patreon club, and I'm actually having dinner with him because his birthday and my birthday are both in December. And so we decided to go eat Chinese food with my little buddy, Emilio. So looking forward to that. So, Uh, Next week, wow, next week is crazy. I'm doing virtual lessons for Norris Elementary. I'm doing a virtual lesson for all Patreon club members. If you'd like to be a Patreon club member, go to DinosaurGeorge.com. Look at the bottom of the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page, and there is a link to take you there. If you'd like to sign up and become a club member, I'll be doing a lesson on Ceratopsians for those groups. That's on Monday the 14th. On Tuesday the 15th, I am speaking to a group over in Europe, a virtual lesson for a group in Europe. I do virtual lessons for anybody, anywhere. It doesn't matter where you are. And then that evening, I'm doing one for Rattan Elementary. And then I'm doing another one on Monday for a school in New York. And then, I mean, on uh, Wednesday, doing one for a school in New York. And then Wednesday evening, doing one for a Walker Elementary. On Thursday the 17th, I'm doing a show for Norris Elementary and then another for Rattan Elementary. And then on the 18th, I'm doing the Upper Greenwood Lake School in the morning. I'm doing another one for the Upper Greenwood Lake School in the afternoon. And then I'm finally doing one. For Anderson Elementary. So very busy month coming up. All right. You know, if you would like to, if you if you go to school or you're with the group and you would like to do a virtual lesson, or honestly, 
a lot of people book virtual lessons just for their own child, just to have a private lesson. If you'd be interested in it, here's some information about our virtual lessons. Now you can bring Dinosaur George into your classroom, home, or facility anywhere in the world with our virtual lessons. We offer over 15 different topics, including dinosaurs, prehistoric mammals, rocks and minerals, and more. Any age, any location, and any time zone. Visit us at DinosaurGeorge.com. It's time for our Feature Creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at DinosaurGeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your Feature Creature. All right. Last week, I posted a, um, uh, a students got, or, or people got to vote on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page. If you are following Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page, you, they, everybody was able to vote. Uh, we took a poll of which dinosaur they would like to hear about. So today's feature creature is Pachycephalosaurus. The thick-headed lizard. Now, Pachycephalosaurus is an amazing dinosaur for a number of reasons. Obviously, it's that big, thick dome on its head, that big, thick, solid piece of bone on top of its head. That thing has always been amazing. But there's a lot of other details about Pachycephalosaurus that you may or may not know. Let's start with the statistics. It is 23 feet long. Now, that's pretty long. Some people argue that they didn't get that big. Some people believe they got even bigger. But its length is an estimated 23 feet. Its height. Now, remember, length is from the tip of the nose to the tip of the tail if its body is stretched out straight. Height is about where its hips are or where its head is. And that's four feet. Again, I bet a lot of you are taller than a pachycephalosaurus. They're not giant. They're still powerful animals, but they're not giant. And they estimated weighed about 900 pounds. That's a lot of weight. 900 pounds is super heavy. They lived during the late Cretaceous period between about 65 to 66 million years ago. So they were around at the very end of the age of dinosaurs. These things have been found in Wyoming, Montana, and South Dakota. Now, they didn't live in swamps. They, they lived really more in a forested area. So these dinosaurs, if you and I could travel back to the late Cretaceous period, we might see them out in the open plains, but they probably spent their time, I would suspect, in and around forested areas. Now, what, what makes this dinosaur so amazing is, is the skull. We simply have to talk about the skull. Now, let me say this. Its neck is different from almost every single other kind of dinosaur. Now, Pachycephalosaurus belongs to a group of dinosaurs, right? A family called the Pachycephalosaurus. There's things like Stigmalach, there's Draco Rex, there's Homolocephaly, there's who else? Stegosaurus and Pachycephalosaurus. Those are all members of that family. But every single member of that family is totally different from all other dinosaurs because of its neck. All other dinosaurs' necks connect to the back of their skull. 
Raptors, the neck connects to the back. Diplodocus, Brachiosaurus, Triceratops, Stegosaurus, Ankylosaurus. Every single dinosaur's neck bone connects to the back of the skull. That's where it connects. Pachycephalosaurus is different. Their neck connects underneath their skull like you and I. Our neck connects to under our skull from the bottom up. Pachycephalosaurus had a totally different neck. Now, why did they have that different neck? My best guess is because these dinosaurs are designed to use their skulls, maybe for ramming, maybe as a weapon. You see, if another dinosaur was running around ramming things with its head, it wouldn't necessarily have the strength in the neck that a pachycephalosaurus would have. Because if your neck connects to the back, now that doesn't count for ceratopsians like Triceratops and those guys, they put their head down and they run right at you and their neck is in a straight line with their backbone. So when they ram into you, they don't break their neck. But other kinds of dinosaurs like duckbills, they couldn't put their head down and ram something. They could, but they'd have to be very careful because since their neck connects to the back of their skull, if they lowered their head down to ram, their neck would be bent. And if they ran into something, all of the energy, when they rammed into it, would go right to that neck where it's bent. The possibility that they could break their neck is very real. Whereas with Pachycephalosaurus, when it lowers its head, its neck is in a straight line with its backbones. Its backbones are in a straight line with its tail. That means when it rams, all of that energy is distributed down the entire length of the body. It's not one big giant shock to that one part where the neck bends. It's kind of distributed, which means by the time the vibrations get to the end of the tail, it's not dangerous anymore. That gives Pachycephalosaurus a very real advantage for being a head-butting animal. Sometimes people call them dome heads, head-butters. So the neck is what's completely unique completely unique about Pachycephalosaurus. And then, of course, we get to the domed head. Now, let me say this, that there are a number of different kinds of domes for Pachycephalosaurus. Dinosaurs like Homocephaly, theirs is kind of flat. Theirs would be very good for ramming into something else because theirs is flat. But Pachycephalosaurus's dome is not really designed for headbutting members of its own kind. Like, I'm sure you've seen all the books where they show two pachycephalosauruses running at each other and ramming their heads into each other like bighorn sheep. That's probably not what they did. And I'll tell you why. Because the dome, that's the big, round, solid piece of bone on top of their head, was sort of rounded. Think if you took a bowling ball and cut it in half and glued that to the top of your head, you'd look like a pachycephalosaurus. You'd also look like a bowling ball head. You'd look like a nut, but that's okay. It's okay to look like a nut. It's all for science, baby. This is for science. So tell your mom and dad, would you please cut a bowling ball in half and glue it to my head so I can demonstrate a pachycephalosaurus? And your parents are going to look at you and go, kid, what is wrong with you? What kind of child are you? Mom, dad, come on. I'm just trying to be a scientist here. So imagine having that bowling ball on top of your head. Now, because it's round, if I had a half of a bowling ball on my head and you had a half a bowling ball on your head, 
and we put our heads down and ran at each other, even if we hit straight, we would slide off of each other because we're hitting something that's round. Our dome would slide off and yours would slide off. Here's the problem. When you look at a pachycephalosaurus all around the neck were big spikes at the back of the head. If my head slides off of your head, your spikes are going right into my eye. My spikes are going right into your eye. That means both of us could be blinded. That is not something dinosaurs or any other animal would do. They're not going to put themselves in harm's way to where they could lose their eyesight. That doesn't make any sense. So did they bump heads with each other? I don't think so. Not Pachycephalosaurus, anyway. Homolocephaly, whose skull was flat, that dinosaur could ram into members of its own family head-on because they wouldn't slide off. If any of them did it, that would be the one that would do it, I think. But I don't believe Pachycephalosaurus is lowering its head and ramming into a rival. Like two males fighting with each other are not going to run at each other and crash into their heads. But those heads are solid bone, and because of the neck, it has to be used for something. Here's what I believe. Have you ever seen giraffes fighting? Go to YouTube and search for giraffes fighting or fighting giraffes. It is brutal. The two male giraffes stand next to each other and swing their head into the side of their rival, smacking their rival with the horns on top of their head. It's brutal. I think pachycephalosauruses may have done that. They may have used their dome to ram into the side of their opponent, not head-to-head, but ramming into the side. That's what I think they did with it. Now, about that dome, there there are a few paleontologists who believe that Stigimoloc and Pachycephalosaurus are the same thing. They believe that Stigimoloc is just a young Pachycephalosaurus And they believe that its skull changes as it gets older. I completely disagree with that. But I always want to tell you, it is okay to disagree with somebody, but you don't make fun of them and you don't laugh at their ideas. Because let me tell you something, the the, uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Jack Horner was one that I read that he proposed that Stigimolic was a juvenile pachycephalosaurus. I disagreed, but Dr. Horner has access to way more stuff than me. So he may have seen something that led him to believe that that's what it is. I personally disagree with that because I've seen small pachycephalosauruses with those big domes, and I've seen big ones with those big domes. They look exactly the same. So I don't think that it looked totally different and then its head changed completely. I don't agree with that. I just think those dinosaurs are closely related, and that's why they look similar. But I believe they're totally different. But again, uh, some some paleontologists believe that Stigimoloch and maybe even Draco Rex are just young versions. But, you know, think about animals today. Very few animals start off looking like one thing when they're little and then morph into something totally different when they grow up. Right? Birds look weird, but a bird looks like a bird. Maybe just born without feathers, but it looks like a bird. Baby snakes look like snakes. Lizards look like lizards. Turtles look like grown-up turtles. Cow Calves look like a cow. 
It's true that with some insects and fish, they change dramatically. But those are insects and fish. I just don't believe that dinosaurs changed very much. They certainly could have looked different. Their domes could have gotten bigger. Their colors could have changed. On animals like ceratopsians, their frills could change. But I just don't think that Pachycephalosaurus is an adult and Stigmoloch is a baby. I, I just disagree with that. But anyway, so getting back to that dome, those domes are definitely used for something. But I don't think they're headbutting. I think they're side-butting. Maybe they stood side by side and swung their necks into the side of their opponents like the giraffes do, each taking a turn. And whoever gives up is the loser, and the other one gets to be the leader of the group, or gets to have the girlfriend, or gets that territory. That's probably why they're fighting. But maybe that dome is used for something that we're not considering. What if it's being used to knock down its prey? What? Did I just say knock down its prey? Yes, I did. What if Pachycephalosaurus was an omnivore? Do you know that Pachycephalosaurus have big fang-like teeth in the front? They've got two big fang-looking teeth in the front. You never see it in books, but they do. Go do a Google search of Pachycephalosaurus skull and look closely at the mouth. You'll see two big fangs in the front. Not fangs like a saber-toothed cat, but these are big. They look like raptor teeth. Maybe Pachycephalosaurus is an omnivore. The teeth in the back of the mouth are certainly used for, for cutting up plants. But maybe those canine teeth are used for cutting meat. It's something to consider. Remember, young scientists, never close your mind to possibilities. Now, it doesn't mean you can just make something up. You can't look at a Pachycephalosaurus and say, I believe that if he flapped his arms, he could fly. Because that's not realistic, and that's not good science. But when you look at the evidence, and it has canine teeth, it's certainly possible that it's using those canine teeth for chewing meat. So what if it lowered his head and took off running and knocked you down? Let me tell you something. If you have that bowling ball strapped to your head, and you run as fast as you can, you put your head down and ram into somebody, you're going to knock them out. And then once they're knocked out, you get to eat them. Now, I do not recommend any of you glue a bowling ball to your head and then knock down your uncle and have him for lunch. That's not a good thing. Don't run over your uncle and you don't get to eat your uncle when you're done. Try to behave yourself, little scientist. You're not supposed to be running over people with your big pachycephalosaurus dome on top of your head. So it's possible that those animals use their dome to knock down prey. Now, they could also use it for defense. Remember, I said I don't think they're ramming heads. I'm talking about ramming heads into members of their own family who have that same dome. But if you're a meat eater and you're attacking a pachycephalosaurus, he could certainly go running at you as fast as he can and smash you with that bowling ball head. That thing's going to knock you down. It may break your leg. It may break your foot. It could cause a lot of serious injury. So it's using that dome. On Pachycephalosaurus, that dome is nine inches thick. Ask your parents if they have a tape measure and measure nine inches and see how long that is. You are going to be amazed at how big that is. That's just the dome. The brain is buried way down under those nine inches. The brain is protected. So that dome is useful for something. Finally, let's talk about how it chewed. 
Again, I told you it had those teeth in the front that looked like canine teeth. Might have been used for that. But the teeth in the back are all teeth that are used for grinding plants. So that, my young friends, is our friend Pachycephalosaurus. I, I will probably go back to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page and put up another um, uh, challenge or a, another vote to see if there's something else you would like for me to do. And each podcast, I'm going to try to rotate between carnivore and herbivore. And after I do a bunch of dinosaur ones, then I'm going to start doing some prehistoric mammals. So get ready for woolly mammoth and giant bear dogs and killer birds. Get ready for all of those creatures because they are coming up. All right, let's do a quick Patreon club ad because if you'd like to join Patreon, you're welcome to do it. Here we go. Become a member of the Dinosaur George Patreon Club and join the fun. We offer different club levels, each with their own set of benefits. Private lessons, new discoveries, behind-the-scene access, and much more are all part of being a club member. Visit DinosaurGeorge.com and sign up today. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, it's time for questions and answers. I got an excellent, excellent question from my very good little buddy, uh, Ethan B. Ethan writes and says, can you please clarify the difference between Ornithischian and Sauriscian dinosaurs? If you've never heard those words, I'll explain them in a minute. Ornithischian means bird hip. Sauriscian means lizard hip. It's a term that was applied to dinosaurs based on the shape of their hips. Ornithischian dinosaurs are dinosaurs like duckbills. Pachycephalosaurus is an ornithischian. Uh, who else? Oh my gosh, Triceratops, Stegosaurus, Camptosaurus. All of those dinosaurs belong to the bird-hipped dinosaurs. The other group is called the Sauriscians. Those are the lizard-hipped dinosaurs. Those include all carnivores. All omnivores are Sauriscians. And so are the sauropods, the big long-necked dinosaurs. They belong in that family. They're more closely related to T-Rex than Triceratops is. So the question that Ethan sent was, why did they name the group Ornithischians, which means bird-hipped, if dinosaurs that are related to birds look more like Sauriscians? Why did they do that? Well, I know that's confusing. For any of you that don't know what I'm talking about, Ornithischian is spelled O-R-N-I-T-H-I-S-C-H-I-A-N, and Sauriscian is spelled S-A-U-R-I-S-C-H-I-A-N. If you will look up those two things, you will see that their hip bones are different. 
So why the confusion? Why would we call one bird-hipped? Shouldn't T-Rex be in the bird-hipped family? Because T-Rex is built like a bird. Birds are dinosaurs. Birds are related to carnivores. How could this possibly be? Well, I think there's some confusion about the names, to be honest with you. First of all, I think they're switched. But let me explain this. The word ornithischian doesn't really apply to the hip of the dinosaur. Not like where the leg connects. It's really more about the three bones that make up the hips. Dinosaurs have three bones that make the hips. One is called the ilium. One is called the ischium. And one is called the pubis. Here's the difference. In a Sariscian dinosaur, the pubis bone points forward. In Ornithischian dinosaurs, the pubis bone bends backwards. Why is it like that? Here's what they believe. They believe that all plant eaters needed more room in their stomach or for their stomach so that they could have big stomachs so they could hold a lot of plants. When you are an herbivore, you have to eat lots and lots and lots of plants. You need the biggest stomach you can have. So they believe that that bone is pointing backwards so that it doesn't interfere with the tummy so that there's more room for the tummy. Now, if you are a carnivore, you don't have that problem. You can eat a lot of meat, but you digest it very quickly. It goes through your body very fast. So it doesn't matter which way that bone points. Well, but I said sauropods have that forward pointing bone. They're plant eaters. Yes, they are. But they are so gigantic. Their stomachs are so big. They don't need a little bit of extra space because their bodies are so big. They can carry all that extra weight. They have those giant stomachs and that bone doesn't get in the way. So don't think of this as a bird hip and a lizard hip. They're really not. It's more like bird bone and lizard bone shape. And so in a bird, its bones are kind of sort of more like ornithischians. Let me just say this, because I know this is a very confusing subject. A lot of scientists think that we shouldn't even use those terms anymore because they're outdated. They don't make any sense. So I suspect that, that those two terms will slowly go away. But if you want to do some study on Sariscian and Ornithischian, go online and take a look. Look those two things up and you'll see what I'm talking about. But Ethan, what I believe is don't think of it as the hip bone like a bird. Think of it as some of the bones of the hip pointing in the same direction as a bird or a lizard. But they're not either. Neither one of them is either. Tyrannosaurus rex is not a lizard but he belongs to the lizard hip family because of the position of that one bone. All right, uh, let's see. Now, by the way, Ethan submitted his question through the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page. So if you would like to submit questions, join the club. It's free. Join that page or join that group and you can send questions. And here's another question. This one came from Danny on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page. Danny said, what was the last known dinosaur to live before the extinction? Well, Danny, there's no way to know which is the absolute last one. We certainly know what families were around last. Those are like Triceratops, Ankylosaurus, Pachycephalosaurus, Tyrannosaurus, um, some of the raptors. A lot of those were the last living dinosaurs at that time. But you see, fossil record doesn't always tell us everything. 
it can only tell us a little. So I can tell you what families are there, but we do not know who the last one was. Okay, this is Aubrey, age seven. Aubrey is from Fullshire, Texas. I went to there or did a virtual lesson. So Aubrey heard me on that virtual lesson. Aubrey writes, when paleontologists dig for dinosaur bones, how do they know where to dig? Another excellent question. Okay, if you haven't listened to my podcast on formations and time periods, I want you all to go back and listen to that podcast. I want you to listen to that podcast. If you haven't already, I want you to listen to it. We give names to the different layers of dirt because geologists have gone in and told us how old those layers are. So if I know how old a layer is, then I know what animals lived during that time of that layer of dirt. So Aubrey, if I want to dig up a Tyrannosaurus rex, I have to go to a place where the layer of dirt that I can see was the layer that was there when T-Rex was alive. I know exactly where to go dig. I couldn't dig in my backyard because the layer of dirt in my backyard is not the right layer of dirt. It's not from the right time period. I never find T-Rex in my yard. Because during the time period that my yard is, I was under the ocean. I can find seashells, maybe some shark teeth, fish bones, mosasaurs, but I'm not going to find T-Rex. So scientists, paleontologists actually know what layer of dirt they're going to go look in. And that tells them what they're going to find. After that, it's just luck. It's just walking around and looking. Okay. Um, Easton, age nine, from Salina, Texas. I was just in Salina yesterday. Easton says, can you please say my name in the next podcast for Salina Elementary? Well, Easton, guess what? I just said your name. Congratulations, my friend. You are the first one from Salina Elementary to write. And I hope you're happy that I got to mention your name. By the way, all of you guys were great. The students were great. It's a great school. You should be very proud of your school, Easton. Okay, one more. This is from Bo, age nine, from here in San Antonio. Bo says, my question is, what is the biggest meat-eating dinosaur? Thank you. Very polite of you to use good manners, Bo. I'm very proud of you. What is the biggest meat-eating dinosaur? Spinosaurus, if you count length. Spinosaurus is longer than any other meat-eater. If you're going to go with height... Spinosaurus wins again, but that's only because the sail is so tall. So Spinosaurus right now is the biggest known meat-eating dinosaur. Why do I say right now? <laughs> because you never know what new discovery is around the corner. All right, my friends, take a deep breath, because guess what's next? It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast. <laughs> yes, yes, I tricked you. That is not, <laughs> that is not what's next. You know what's next. Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops. You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. 
All right. Now, to submit a who would win question, you have to be a Tyrannosaurus member of the Patreon Club. Only Tyrannosaurus members of the Patreon Club are allowed to submit a who would win. So I hope you'll consider joining because I'd love to have more of you involved. Let's get going. This one comes from Owen. Owen is a longtime Patreon member. Started from the day we started, he became a T-Rex member. Now, Owen sent me a couple, but I chose one based on how cool this is. I've chosen Owen's herbivore versus herbivore. Ankylosaurus versus Pachyrhinosaurus. Whoa. These are two brutes. Now, this would be a slow fight, but let me tell you something. This would be a shoving, pushing, crunching match to end them all. You would probably see the shield get broken on its head. You would probably hear the snapping of bones. These two monsters are going to go at it. Now, why would two herbivores fight? Maybe over food. Maybe over water. Maybe over territory. Herbivores fight all the time. I grew up on a farm. Our cows would attack our horses all the time. Our sheep would fight with our pigs all the time. Herbivores do fight, so I chose these two, Owen. Great choices. Let's look for Ankylosaurus. He's got weight. He's got body armor. He's got the gigantic club, and his body is low to the ground, which means its center of gravity is down low, which means it's hard to push him over. You better be incredibly strong to push this thing over on its back. And then we have Pachyrhinosaurus in the other corner. Now, this is a very large Ceratopsian. No, he doesn't have a big horn on his nose, but he doesn't need it. That big thing on his nose, that big flat thing is called a boss. B-O-S-S. That's the word used to describe that flat thing on his nose. It's not a horn. It's a boss. So, the big boss. When that animal puts its head down and comes running, it is like a runaway freight train. The only thing that's going to stop a running, moving Pachyrhinosaurus is going to be the low center of gravity Ankylosaurus. Even though Pachyrhinosaurus has this dinosaur with height, it's taller, it's longer, it just cannot have the strength necessary to knock Ankylosaurus over. Ankylosaurus is not going to be beaten. It's not going to be beaten by ramming it. Its body is too heavily armored. You've got to flip that thing over on its back, and you're not going to kill it. You're just going to take it out of commission. It's going to die once it's on its back because it can't roll back over. But good luck ever knocking that thing down. So in my opinion, the battle goes to Ankylosaurus. And one more. This comes from Noah. Noah, who sends in tons of them, and they're great. And it's hard for me to choose, Noah, because you send so many good ones. But I picked Croc versus Croc. Sarcosuchus versus Dinosuchus. The two gigantic crocodilians, the monsters of the Cretaceous. Sarcosuchus lived in Africa. Dinosuchus lived in North America. They're both enormous, but they're very different. Sarcosuchus has that long, skinny nose, that long, skinny nose that's great for grabbing and holding things, but there's not as much power at there as there is in the short, rounded snout of Dinosuchus. 
if you've ever seen a, a, an animal called a gharial, gharial is a crocodilian with this long skinny nose, great for grabbing fish, no strength in it whatsoever. Now, Sarcosuchus has tremendous strength because it's big. But my point is, the longer your snout is, the less power you have at the end of it. Because the muscle has to reach so far to be open and close that mouth. Whereas with Dinosuchus, that guy's built like a saltwater crocodile. It's got a bite force that is unimaginable. So, both of these animals have giant size. Both of these animals have weaponry. Both of these animals can fight on land or in the water. Both have powerful tails. Both have powerful teeth. But I am going to give this fight to Dinosuchus based solely, based solely on its rounded skull, its shorter rounded skull, which would have given it, in my opinion, a greater bite force. All right, my young paleontologist, I hope you enjoyed today's um, podcast. Coming up, I'll be doing another one on a carnivorous dinosaur. I'm not going to tell you who, but I will say that it was a recommendation by one of our uh, Patreon club members who made the recommendation. And so that's the one I'm going to choose. You're just going to have to wait till it comes out. Remember, my friends, be kind to everyone. Be nice to everyone. Treat your friends well. And if you have friends that like dinosaurs as much as you do, please tell them about this podcast because I'd love for everybody to join in. Take care, my friends. We'll talk to you soon. Stay safe. listening to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge. Yeah.